Hallelujah. Let's do that all across this building. Let's continue to praise the name that's above every name. Hallelujah. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Let's praise the name that's above every name. Hallelujah. The name that makes demons tremble. Hallelujah. The name that makes sickness have to be healed. Somebody give him praise. Hallelujah. 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 Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Amen. It feels good to praise the name of the Lord. Amen. What the psalmist wrote, so the name of the Lord is a strong tower and the righteous. Amen. That should be all of us here. Amen. That are seeking to please God. The righteous run into it and they are saved. Amen. I'm thankful that we, in times of trouble, we can call upon the name of Jesus. The Bible says in the book of Matthew chapter 1, verse 21, Thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. And the Old Testament prophecy speaks of the name of Jesus. Usually we talk about it during Christmas, but it says that you're going to call his, his name shall be called Emmanuel, which is interpreted God with us. Amen. Which means when you are speaking the name of Jesus... Amen. That God is now coming down to where you are. That's what that verse is meaning. So whenever you're in trouble, you don't know what to say, just call on the name of Jesus. When you're sick, call on the name of Jesus. Amen. Somebody give the Lord some praise here tonight. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated here, amen, for a little while. And I just want to remind the church, you can always call on Jesus. Amen. Used to have a lawyer said one call and that's all. <laughs> Amen. You want to get out of jail, you call that lawyer. And that's all it took. You know, with Jesus, it's no different. Just one call. You don't need to know a bunch of other numbers. You just J-E-S-U-S. Amen. Praise God. Amen. If you have your Bibles, we're going to turn over to the book of Genesis. Amen. Genesis. Just kind of hold it open. Uh, we're going to kind of be in Genesis chapter twenty-eight is where we're going to where we're going to kind of start. But I want to give us a little recap. It's been a little while since we've had our midweek search for truth Bible study, and I felt the first couple weeks of the year to take the Wednesday night out and just kind of preach to us. And I'm excited to get back into the swing of this. And uh, even while I was preaching, each sermon that I preached, it ended up starting in Genesis. So you already got a preview of where we're going with a lot of this. But uh, just it's incredible the, the way that the Word of God speaks to us. And, you know, you can really just open up the Word of God and you will find something in there. It doesn't matter where you open up. There will be something in there that you can glean from. Amen. On our last Bible study, amen, at the end of last year, uh, we were talking about Jacob and Esau receiving the blessing of their father. And the Bible declares that Jacob was told by his mother, Rebekah, you are to go into your father and you are to put on goat skin and you are to appear just like your brother. Your father's hard of seeing. He won't notice the difference. And you're going to go in and it's going to be uh, just another costume and you're going to wear this and it's going to deceive your father. 
and you're going to take this meal that I provide for you, and you're going you're to defeat his senses, and he's going to think it was venison. And he goes in on the command of his mother, and he gets a blessing from his father that was meant to be on his brother Esau. And Esau, amen, comes in a little bit later expecting to receive a blessing, but he does not get the blessing that, that the firstborn son gets. The father responds to him and says, I've already given you my blessing. And he said, no, father, you gave my blessing to the wrong son. And uh, again, we talked about the discernment of Isaac, and there's a lot we could go and delve back into. I won't for the sake of time, but Esau, he makes this plea, and he says, oh, father, do you only have one blessing? And he asks his father to give him a blessing, but I want you to notice that he did, in fact, receive a blessing from his father, but it was not the blessing. His brother had stolen it from him. He got a blessing, but it was not the blessing. This secondary blessing, this remaining blessing, this leftover blessing was nothing more than Esau was being told that you are going to serve your younger brother. And so this was not the blessing he was looking for. And when he learned of Jacob's treachery, he comforted himself, the Bible says, with thoughts of killing his brother. And so Esau had intended to kill his brother, and Rebekah warned her son Jacob, you've got to run from here, because if you don't run, you are going to die. And, and so, amen, so it was, Jacob got on the run. But I want to talk to us for just a moment, kind of recap this here today, amen, about don't, you know, not being like Esau. Don't settle for leftover blessings like Esau did. Don't settle for what's left. Don't settle for, well, I guess this is good enough. And we talked a little bit, amen, about Romans chapter 12 and 2 that tells us we are to prove what is the good. Everybody say good. Acceptable. Everybody say acceptable. And everybody say perfect. Perfect will of God. Amen. That shows us that, amen, there is a good, there is a perfect, and there is an acceptable will of God. And some people ask the question, Pastor, what is the will of God for my life? Most of what the will of God for our life is, is uh, that we follow His Word. Amen. We must know what His will is, and we only know His will if we know His Word. But there is, amen, a good way of finding out what is the good and acceptable will of God. I want to tell you what those are. This is where it differs from the perfect will of God. What is the good and acceptable will of God? It's when we've mixed our will with His will. Anytime you and I mix our will with God's perfect will, it is no longer the perfect will of God. It now becomes either the good, the acceptable, or completely out of the will of God. There are many people that operate like Esau. They operate on what we call the will of me. Amen. I'm not the only one that's done this. A good way to know if you're out of the will of God is if you're just following the will of me. It's interesting. I've talked with people and they say, well, I feel like God spoke to me. And, and I ask him, is that the advice you would have given yourself? And nine times out of ten, that is the case. Amen. That's usually a good indicator you are speaking to you. 
Because every time I've had God speak to me, it's usually, amen, either A, out of his word, or it's telling me I need to do something that my flesh doesn't want to do. Amen. Uh, when, you know, when somebody is looking for the will of me, it's I just want confirmation that what I am thinking is correct. But I want to tell you, in this crazy world, you don't, you don't want confirmation that everything you're doing is correct. Amen. It's good to know that maybe you're off course. It's good to know if there's something wrong in your life. It's good to pray and for God to speak to you and say you need to turn. Amen. Because only when you realize I'm no longer in the perfect will of God and I'm mixing my will into God's will, only then do you realize I need to change some things. I need to repent about some things so I can get back in to the perfect will of God. Everybody said amen. Amen. The perfect will of God is whenever we say yes to whatever he has for us. Amen. And I want to tell you, that's not always easy. It's, it's easy when God shows you uh, the, the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. It's a little different. Amen. It, it's easy when Joseph sees a dream of all of his brethren and his father bowing down to him. And he says, I want the perfect will of God. But nobody showed him the pit. And nobody showed him the prison. And nobody showed him Potiphar's house. Amen. The will of the perfect will of God is when you continually say yes to God's will, which means sometimes I have to go through things I didn't want to go through. And I say yes to God's will even though it doesn't always please me. Amen. The perfect will of God is to say yes to whatever he has. The good will or the accepted will of God, the only thing that differentiates those two is how much of our will is involved. Let me say that again. The difference between the goodwill and the per, the goodwill and the acceptable will of God is how much of our will is involved. You want to be in the perfect will of God? This is the ultimate example. Jesus praying in a garden, and he says, if this cup could pass, that was his human will. If it's possible that I can get the world without suffering, and if I can get the salvation of mankind without crucifixion, that's what I want. However... He said, not my will, humanity, but thy will, divinity, be done. Amen. Whenever we can do that, we separate our will out of God's will, and we let what God wants to be done be done in our life. It's at that moment, amen, we can know for a surety that we are entering the perfect will of God. And everybody said amen. Amen. And so Esau, he, set, he settled ultimately for being out of the will of God. And he didn't have to even be out of the will of God. He could have. He could have made his decisions and repented and got back into the will of God, but he didn't. Amen. He did not. The Bible says he could not find a place of repentance. And we discovered, amen, one of the reasons he never found a place of repentance, because nowhere in the Bible did Esau pray. Nowhere in the Bible did Esau go to an altar. Nowhere in the Bible did Esau build an altar. And yet, the Bible says this, Jacob have I loved and Esau have I hated. I want you to notice they both made mistakes. They both had flaws. Jacob was just as flawed. He stole his brother's blessing. He lied. He cheated. He was not a good dude. And everything that Jacob did was wrong. And yet Jacob found a place of repentance. He was flawed, 
but he built altars where he faltered. He was not afraid to say, Lord, I have fallen, and God, help me get back up. God, I have made mistakes. I want to tell you, God is not looking for you to be perfect because it is not possible that you and I in our flesh could ever be perfect. But what God is looking for us to be is to be repentant, people. Amen. People that are willing to admit our faults, admit our wrongs, and repent about them. Amen. And so we must build altars and then, here's the key, we must pray at them. We must build altars and then we must sacrifice at them. It's not enough just to have an altar. you got to go to it. It's not enough just to have an altar. You've got to pray about it. Amen. Everybody said amen. So Jacob is on the run. He's not settling for second best. That's the one thing that is good about Jacob. He's always looking for more of God. Amen. He doesn't always go about it the right way, but he understood the birthright had value, and he understood the blessing had value, and he was willing to do whatever it took to get it. And it was there on his run in Genesis chapter 28. Amen. Let's go to Genesis chapter 28 and verse number 11. Genesis chapter 28 and verse number 11. The Bible says, And he lighted upon a certain place and tarried there all night because the sun was set. And he took the stones of that place and put them for his pillows and laid down in that place to sleep. And he dreamed, and behold, a ladder was set up on the earth and it reached the top to heaven. And behold, the angels of God were ascending and descending upon it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, thy father, the God of Isaac, the land whereon thou dwellest. I will give it to you, to thy seed. And thy seed shall be as the dust of the earth, and thou shalt spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And in thee and in thy seed shall all the families of the earth be blessed. And behold, I am with thee and will keep thee in all the places whither thou goest. And I will bring you again to this land, and I will not leave you until I have done that which I have spoken unto you. Verse number 16, and Jacob awaked out of his sleep, and he said, surely the Lord is in this place, and I knew it not. And he was afraid and said, how dreadful is this place? This is none other but the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. And Jacob rose up early in the morning and took the stone that he had set up for his pillows and set up for a pillar and poured oil upon it. And he called the name of that place Bethel, but the name of that city was Luz at the first. And Jacob vowed a vow and saying, if God will be with me and will keep me in this way that I go and will give me bread to eat and raiment to put on so that I come to my father's house in peace, then, then shall the Lord be my God. And this stone which I have set for a pillar shall be God's house. And of all that thou shalt give me, I will surely give a tenth unto thee. He enters this sleep. He goes. He doesn't even know where he ended up. And it was there in the middle of the wilderness that God was with him all along. And I want to just tell somebody, you can wander, you can run, but you cannot hide from God. God is everywhere. David put it best. He said, if I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, you are there. 
If I ascend to the highest peak, you're going to be there. If I go to the lowest valley, you are there. I want to just tell everybody in this building that maybe you are running from God, but you can run all you want. But eventually, when you get tired of running and you finally, amen, wake up out of your spiritual slumber, you will recognize that the Lord has been with you the whole time and that God has been working on you the whole time. I just want to remind the church that God, you may, you may have said, well, Pastor, I walked in here 20 years ago or I walked in here five years ago or I walked in here tonight and this is the first time I thought about it and this is the first time I felt God. It might be the first time you felt God or it might be that you came into the church, but I just want to remind you that God was with you while you were on the bar stool. God was with you when you were strung out on drugs. God was with, come on somebody, God was with us when we were all messed up. And God said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. He was with you even when you weren't with him. Amen. Even when you didn't feel his presence, God was following you. Hallelujah. Amen. And God was drawing you. And God was pulling on you. And you may not have noticed it. Maybe didn't wake up to it. And maybe didn't recognize it. But that doesn't mean that God wasn't working. Hallelujah. Let's clap our hands and thank Him for that. Anybody thankful that God moved on you? That God was still there? Amen. I want to just talk about this for a second. Amen. So many people in our world, they don't realize that God is working on them. Well, I don't see him. That's all right. That doesn't mean he's not there. You have to get your you have to get your spiritual eyes checked. Amen. You've got to wake out of your spiritual slumber. Amen. Let me tell you what the Bible says. Jesus speaking. He said, "Except the man is born again of water and spirit, he cannot see, perceive, or enter into the kingdom of God." Which means there's a lot of people that there's a whole spiritual realm that is invisible to them. They don't even know. Let me just tell you that there is more to this world beyond what your eyes can see. And anybody that, well, I don't believe in any of that. I, I don't know if I believe in God. Uh, you just got to look beyond even what you can see. You know, there's an entire microbiological world out there. Just because you can't see it doesn't mean it's not there. There's a whole other realm, a whole other existence. Uh, amen. But you got you to gotta get the microscope out in order to see it. And this is what Jesus said. You must be born again of water and spirit. You've got to be baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost. That's how you open up your spiritual vision. Jacob woke up from his spiritual slumber and all of a sudden he saw angels ascending and descending and God was above it all. Amen. He was running from his brother. He was lost. He was broken and God was above it all and God was working through it all. He didn't see God at the moment. He didn't feel God. But when he finally woke up out of his spiritual slumber, he could see that there was a dimension beyond what he could see. I want to tell everybody in this, in, this, in this room, amen, that God is moving. God is, you know, Jesus put it best. He said the Spirit's like the wind. You can't see where it's coming from. You can't see where it's going. He's like, it blows where it wants. But we all know that the wind is a reality. God is moving all across this world. Amen. God is moving from this church. He's moving all across this city. And he's pulling on people. And he's working on people. And right now, they're asleep. And right now, they don't know it. Amen. But I'm praying for a spiritual awakening to happen in Carson City. 
You're here tonight because God was waking you up to the reality there is a spiritual world. God was waking you up to the reality there is a God and he loves you. Oh, somebody ought to clap your hands and give him praise. Amen. But there is a responsibility when you realize that there is, there is a spiritual dimension. Amen. There are a lot of people, they'd rather just be ignorant to the fact that, you know, most of the people that say they don't believe in God, it's not that they don't, it's not that they have good logical reasons why they don't believe in God. Because most of the reasons people use are debunked in a matter of just a quick Google search. Amen. But, but most of the times people say they don't believe in God, it's because they haven't looked for him. They haven't prayed to him. They haven't. They haven't. They actually don't want God to exist because if God exists, I have to then be responsible to what God says. And we're living in a world that doesn't want anybody over them. And when Jacob woke up to the reality that God was real and God was with him, he also woke up to the reality God was above me. And God is working, and God is the ruler of the entire universe. And it was there that God began to speak to him, and he said, I am the God of your father. Amen. I am the God of Abraham. I am the God of Isaac, and I want to be your God as well. Amen. God wants to wake people up out of their spiritual slumber because he wants to be their God. He wants them to realize, amen, that he is working on their behalf and that God loves them and God cares about them because he desires a relationship with his people. And this is what Jacob responded, as many of us have responded in our lives at times. Okay, I had this great spiritual awakening and spiritual encounter. And he says, here's what I'm going to do. God, you do a little bit more for me and then I will commit to you. Amen. I know I'm not the only one that's done that before. I have said, okay, God, you know, I've had some great spiritual moments, some great encounters with God that, that were undeniable that the Holy Ghost was moving in my life. And I have left those moments and said, okay, God, uh, do a couple more magic tricks, and then I'll, I'll, I'll start getting committed. I want to just tell you, don't be like Jacob. This, again, we're reading about a flawed man at this point. He's going to, and we're going to read about it here in a second. He's going to go through a lot more heartache. But you know, Jacob could have saved himself a lot of heartache if he would have just said, okay, God, I'm done running. I'm done, I'm done trying to make deals and bargains. I'm willing to serve you now. Amen. And the best thing anybody could ever do when they awaken to the spiritual reality that God does in fact exist and that God does love them and God does want to have a relationship with them is to commit yourself to the Lord. And everybody said amen. And so it is here, he says, all right, Lord, I'm going to make you a deal if you will be with me in the way I go. That's, that's what we call conditional worship. Okay, I'll serve God as long as he fits within my box. Amen. This is the world we're living in. I'll serve God as long as he serves me. As long as God is like a genie in a bottle and he, and he grants me three wishes. Come on, somebody. As long as God is like a vending machine, and I press E8, and I get the Snickers. Hallelujah. Favorite machine at the gym is the candy machine. Praise God. Amen. And, 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 and that as long as God does for me, then I will do for him. And Jacob goes on his journey. Chapter 29. Amen. Everybody say his journey. 
man, when you, when you say, God, all right, I'll commit in the future, you are going on your journey. Amen. It could have been a, it could have been a journey with God, but instead it was his journey. Chapter 29 and verse number 1. Then Jacob went on his journey and came into the land of the people of the east. Amen. And I'll, I'll just recap this. He ends up at the house of Laban, his uncle, and he fell in love with Laban's daughter, Rachel, and he bargained with Laban to marry her. Amen. And Laban said, all right, I'll make you a deal. Notice this. He's now on his journey. He's getting the same thing he gave. I'll make you a deal. And so let's read this. Verse number 16, chapter number 29. And Laban had two daughters. The name of the elder was Leah, and the name of the younger was Rachel. I just, the Bible's just, you, you don't need to read a whole lot of other stuff. Just, you just read the Bible. You'll get some good stuff. Leah was tender-eyed. I don't know what the Bible meant by that. Don't ask the pastor. It just, but the Bible was saying something was wrong. Either she was hard to look at or she didn't, she couldn't look very well. I don't know. But some translation, she was lazy-eyed. <laughs> That's in your Bible. And this is what the Bible says. But Rachel was beautiful. Amen. The Bible was contrasting it for a reason. It was trying to let you know that Leah wasn't much to look at. But Rachel was beautiful and well-favored. Amen. That's how I feel about my wife. Beautiful and well-favored. Praise God. Amen. And, 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 but Leah, she was not so good looking. Amen. And Jacob loved Rachel. Amen. All the men said amen. And he said, I will serve you seven years. Years for Rachel, your younger daughter. This dude was sprung. Amen. He, he was done for. He said, I'll work seven years for that one right there. And the Bible says that Laban said, it's better that I give her to you than I should give her to another man. Abide with me. And Jacob served seven years for Rachel, and they seemed unto him but a few days for the love wherewith he had to her. Amen. In verse 21, and Jacob said to Laban, give me my wife, for my days are fulfilled. Amen. Jacob was so in love with Rachel. He said, I'll work seven years. I'm helping all the young men right now. You want to get married? Praise God. You got to be willing to put the work in. Let me say that again. All the young single people, you got to put the work in. Amen. You want to get married? Get a job. You want to get married? Get a car. You want to get married? Get your own place. You want to get married? Put in the work. Get into school. Am I preaching all right now? I'm just going to look over here. You want to get married? You're going to have to put in the work. And for all the married folk, you want to stay married. You're going to keep putting in the work. Can I get an amen from the elders? You don't give up and stop working. It's not seven years. It's the rest of your life. You're going to keep on working. Amen. He worked seven years. He was so in love. Amen. And I could preach all about love. Amen. It's, it's, it's almost Valentine's Day. Maybe I should have done that tonight. Amen. He was so in love. He said this seven years is like a couple days. This dude was so in love with Rachel. He said, all right, my time's done. And he said, give me my wife. And, and, and at the end of seven years, he, he said, all right, it's finally, I've worked. Amen. This is not just he worked at a desk job. No, this guy was out in the field in the heat of the day, morning to night, work and work and work. And this is how much he wanted to marry Rachel. In verse number 25, this is why I love the Bible. 
Amen. I want to tell you, the church is a book club. We just stuck on one book for a couple thousand years. <laughs> Verse 25, and it came to pass in the morning. Behold, it was Leah. That is not, that is not what he was looking for. And he said, Laban, what is this that you have done unto me? Did I not serve you for Rachel? Wherefore then have you beguiled me? And Laban said, well, it must not be done in our country to give the younger before the firstborn. Fulfill her week, and we will give you also for the service which you shall serve me yet another seven years. And Jacob did so and fulfilled her week, and he gave Rachel, his daughter, to wife also. And I'm going to talk about this because there's some principles in here. Uh, first and foremost, the first thing that people might ask is, he had more than one wife. You're right, that's in the Bible. But you got to remember, this is after the fall of Adam and Eve. Later, Paul even talks about it. He says, he says, in the beginning, it was not so. God made them male and female, husband and wife. It was never intended for there to be multiple. Well, what about the kings? What People read the Bible and they try to use this as an excuse for their lifestyle. But that was not the way God designed it. This is what we see the fall of man. Man is living. Again, this is Jacob going on his journey, going the way he wanted to go. And he did what he wanted to do. And the Bible would put it this way. He was like judges. Everyone did what was right in their own eyes. And this is the danger of, of living your life and going on your journey and not serving God is you will fall into the trap of moral relativity where you will say, well, it seems good to me. And there will be things that you will do that will alter the course of your life. And if you're not careful, it will alter the course of your eternity. I'm talking to somebody right now. Amen. There are decisions you make in your own understanding, in your own decision making, that you, you haven't prayed about it, you haven't thought about it, you haven't counseled about it. You are going on your journey, doing it your way. And there will be consequences that follow you because you went without God's help. Amen. This is why going to church and being a Christian is a lot more than just feeling good on Sunday and Wednesday. Amen. This is why we do Bible study. Amen. Because we can read this and we all laugh. And we, we, we read the story and it's kind of funny. Amen. And there's things in the Bible that are, that are interesting and we go, oh, no big deal. And, and then there's times we read the Bible and we see something like this. And we, we look over Jacob and we go, Jacob, don't be dumb. What are you doing? What are you doing? That's a that's one of the best exercises of reading the Bible is that it gives you observation. And through that observation, you get revelation where you start seeing the actions of the people in the Bible. And you start, it's, it's like you're seeing it from the zoomed out viewpoint. And you're saying, hold on, watch out. Watch out, something bad's about to happen. You know what God's trying to teach us when we read the Bible? Amen. When we see somebody about to make a bad decision, God wants us to recognize that's a bad decision so that when we zoom back into our life, uh, we can start to recognize, uh-oh, I'm about to make a bad decision without the help of God, without a word from God. I'm about to do something without counsel. I'm about to do something without prayer. I'm about to, and God wants us to see it in his word and then zoom into our daily life. And then live the word. Somebody ought to clap your hands and give God. Thank you, Jesus, for your word. Somebody ought to thank you for his word. And so God lets us read this. And it, it's supposed to teach us. 
that now as we're going about life, we recognize I'm in one of those moments. I'm about to, I'm about to go in and make a bad decision or in Jacob's condition, he's about to be lied to. He's about to be tricked. Isn't it interesting that the con man just got conned? The liar just got lied to. The cheater just got cheated on. Amen. Laban tricked his son-in-law. And I believe the Bible records this encounter for a couple reasons. First and foremost, Jacob deceived just as he had deceived his father. He was deceived by his father-in-law just like he deceived his father. And even though he was, he was, you know, trying, he was starting to think about God, he hadn't yet made a commitment and a decision. Can I teach you a biblical principle? Everybody say, you reap what you sow. We don't believe in karma. We believe in you reap what you sow. In other words, you reap, you get back what you plant, but not just what you plant, a harvest of what you plant. This is where we look at this, and we've got to really be introspective about the things we're planting. The things we're planting in our own character, the things we're planting in our own life, and the things we're planting in relationship with other people. Let me talk about it from this standpoint. You know, the business dealings you have, if you are a business owner or if you work for somebody else, how you conduct business, you will reap what you sow. If you are a crook, if you do things half-hearted, if you cut corners, I want to tell you, it's going to come back and it's going to bite you. And if you are dealing with other people and you are on, you are not honest and you are constantly trying to to divert the truth and bend the truth to fit whatever narrative you want. It's going to come back, and it's not coming back just the way you gave it. It's coming back with, with consequences that are multiplied. Jacob lied to his father. His father gave him a blessing that, that, that you know, ultimately his father might have just said, I forgive you, but now he's got two wives. And this is now going to affect all of Jacob's children. And this is going to affect an entire nation of people. And it's all because, uh, Aben, he was sowing some things in his life. And now when it came back his direction, man, we have no problem giving it to other people. But we, we really struggle when it starts coming back to us. I have talked with people. I have counseled people. And I uh, hope I'm helping somebody here today. I didn't come to condemn anybody. But, you know, there are people that they just go, Pastor, I don't understand why I'm going through all this. Now, I'm not going to kick you while you're down. I want to encourage you and hopefully bless you. But it, it might be time to actually start considering, well, how have I been living? What decisions have I been making? Amen. Have I been sowing these kinds of things in my life? And now I'm receiving the harvest of the things that I sowed. Amen. It's important to ask those kind of questions. Because if you don't ask those questions, you will get into some positions and you go, man, why am I in debt? Because you spent more than you had. Amen. You sowed in debt. Well, now I'm, I don't know why. It's like the devil's attacking me. No, the devil's not attacking you. You attacked you 10 months ago. You attacked you three years ago. Why is my credit so bad? Because you beat it up 10 years ago. <laughs> and you've not sowed. Now, I want to tell you, there's the benefit. You reap what you sow. That should, that should encourage everybody. Which means, if you are currently reaping things that you don't want to reap, it's time to start sowing different seeds. 
if every relationship you've got right now is sour and it's gone bad, amen, you really need to consider it might be some things that you've sown in your relationship. If everything's turned against you, you might really consider what you sowed and say, instead of blaming everybody else, I'm going to start sowing some different things. If every relationship turned bitter, I'm going to stop sowing bitterness in to these relationships. If my finances are currently busted, I'm going to stop sowing into a more busted financial situation. If my marriage is falling apart, I'm going to stop doing the things and sowing the things in that keep this thing, amen, as a harvest of, of disaster and a harvest of bad things. I'm talking to somebody right now. If my walk with God is not where I want it to be, I'm going to stop sowing those things in that are causing it to decay and causing it to break apart. I'm going to start sowing good seed. I'm going to start sowing good things. I'm going to, hallelujah, let's lift up our hands and let's pray. Amen. Come on, this is a biblical principle. Amen. You reap what you sow, but the best part is you can start sowing good things. Jacob, you might have sowed some bad things, but over this next journey of your life, you can start sowing some good things. Amen. First and foremost, it was a biblical principle. I think God put it in there to, to let us know you reap what you sow. Let me just help everybody here today that thinks to themselves, I got away with it. Amen. You don't, you and I just want to give you a real heads up in life. We never get away from it. We never, we never escape escape the 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 the, the harvest. Amen. It just doesn't come back exactly like we gave it. And so we think we got away. You know, it's like the kid that, that is, you know, that cheats in school, cheats on their tests, and they think, amen, they passed the grade, and they think, I got away with it. But it developed in them something in their character that years down the road is going to come back and hurt them. Amen. There's people that they, they have interpersonal relationships, and they've not learned how to handle those relationships. And so they do these little sneaky things, and, and they do these little passive-aggressive things. And, and at first, it's no big deal when you're in kindergarten. It's a whole different story when you're married. And it starts to, because those things that you've sown into your character, they do come out. And so you reap what you sow, but the best news is you can start sowing new things for your future. Nobody is bound to what you were. Nobody's stuck with what they were. You can change. And everybody said amen to that. Amen. Secondly, the Bible's trying to let us know that, that all of the characters in the Bible, except for Jesus, are flawed. From Jacob to Laban to Isaac to Rebekah to Esau, every character in the Bible is flawed. I've, I've said this a million times. I'll say it a million more times. That's what makes the Bible the most powerful book in the world, Amen. especially amongst religious books. They, the, the Bible does not sugarcoat and does not make all of the characters of the Bible these, these impeccable heroes. Every, if you look long enough, every single person in the Bible, you will find a flaw. You will find them sin, and you will find them fall, except for Jesus. Amen. You go to any other religious text, you go to any historian, they'll tell you Joseph Smith was perfect. They'll tell you Muhammad was perfect. But, but, and their book will try to make it seem like everybody was perfect, nobody did anything wrong, except for the enemies of their book. But the Bible has no problem telling you that, that they are flawed. This is a biblical principle. Romans chapter 3, verse 10, if you want to turn there. Romans chapter 3 and verse number 10. New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, and then Romans. Man. 
There you go. It's on the screen. Romans chapter 3, verse 10. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. They are all gone out of the way. They are all together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. Why is this important? Because we are living in a world that if you talk to them about whether or not they're saved, they will say, of course I am. Why? Because I'm a good person. That is not in the Bible. Everyone has turned away. Everyone has gone their own way. Everyone, the Bible says, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that doeth Good according to God's standard of goodness. No, not one. The exception being Jesus, which is the whole point of the gospel. Amen. And the Bible is letting us know there are flawed people throughout the entire Bible. Amen. Laban was flawed. Jacob was flawed. This should give everybody a little bit of encouragement. Amen. Moses was flawed. The prophet Elijah was flawed. King David was flawed. King Solomon was flawed. Amen. Jeroboam was flawed. Rehoboam was flawed. You go down all of the prophets and all of the kings and all of the priests and every character in your Bible, they were all flawed. None of them were righteous. None of them did good. No, not one. And that includes you and me. But here's the beautiful point of the gospel is that even though none of us are good, Jesus was good enough for all of us. Jesus was good enough for all of your bad. Jesus was good enough for all of our sins. Jesus was good enough for all the times we lied, we cheated, we stole. We, 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 we put some seeds in the ground that were not good. We planted some things in our life that were leading us the wrong way. We went our own way. We turned away from God. We didn't seek Him. Every time we did that, God was better than all of our bad. God was more good than all of our bad. God. The point of the gospel is that I may not have been good enough, but that doesn't matter. The good news is that he was good enough for all of us. Come on, somebody, you ought to give God praise. You're not perfect enough, but Jesus is perfect enough for all of us. Amen. Come on. You were not good enough, and that's all right, because we can lean over to a good God that's better than good. Somebody lift up your voice and praise him here today. Amen. The Bible is not afraid to tell us there's none good. Laban, Laban, you could even read even earlier in Laban's story. Laban is a liar and a cheater from the moment you find him show up in the scriptures. The moment that the servant shows up, Laban says, I don't want to do any work. I don't want to do anything until he saw, amen, his sister Rebecca with some, with some gold. And then he started just really kissing up to the, to the servant that was sent by Abraham. You already see his conniving, his lying, his cheating ways. And now, guess what? What he reaped, what he sowed in his life, he is now at the end of his life. It is now part of who he is. And now, you know, this is the danger of continuing to go on your own journey and do things, again, with the assumption, no, I'm a good person. The assumption I'm a good person means I make good choices. I make good decisions. And if you go with that, 
that, that, that, that understanding. Amen. You'll get further and further down the road. And here's the problem with getting further down the road. The consequences get bigger and bigger. Notice Laban, he's lied and cheated since we've seen him enter the scriptures. And now, guess who he lies to? His future son-in-law. And guess who he guess who he cheats? He cheats and and he 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 does a switch on. He does it on his son-in-law. But not only that, his own daughters. There's you think if any if he if a father should love anybody, he'd love his own kids. But this man is such a swindler that now he doesn't know good from bad, right from wrong. He just sees it as another business transaction. And and now he he tricks. Amen. Jacob into serving him for another seven years. And now he puts his kids into another bad situation. Amen. I'm talking to all of the parents. It is important, amen, that you get on your face and pray and say, God, help me to make good decisions for my kids' sake. Amen. God, I want to, amen, every individual in this building, we can't just do this, amen, uh, for ourselves, but we've got to understand every decision we make affects other people. The way we live affects other people. Our character affects other people. Coming to a close here. Jacob works for another seven years to get Rachel. Now he's married twice. And you, and you go through the Bible, it causes unbelievable trauma. Family trauma. You know the story, we're going to get to it here in a little while. The story of Joseph would have never happened, amen, if Laban had dealt with his character a long time ago. And if Jacob had dealt with his character a long time ago. And, and, and these are brothers that are throwing their brother into a pit and then selling their brother into slavery. Why? I'll show you why. Verse 31 of chapter 29. Amen. Genesis chapter 29 and verse number 31. Go to verse 30. Genesis chapter 29, verse 30. And he went in also unto Rachel, and he loved Rachel more than Leah. That, that really hurt the first wife. And he served Laban yet another seven years. And when the Lord saw that Leah was hated, he opened her womb, but Rachel was barren. More tension in the family that should have never been there. More trauma in the family than should have never been there. And Leah conceived, and I want you to notice, we're not going to read it here today. You can read it on your own time. But Leah conceives, and she names her children based on her relationship with her husband. This is the kind of family trauma this, that Reuben, for the rest of his life, his name's Reuben. And Reuben's name means, now I am worthy of love from my husband. She said, I got a child, and now my husband's got to love me. And she realizes that doesn't work. And then she has another son, and she names him Simeon, and she says, this is his name. I mean, you, we, we name people, you know, just based on baby book names. Amen. But they were naming people based on where they were in life. And so Reuben, the rest of his life, every time he hears the name Reuben, he just, all he can, all he can think about is what his name means. My parents have marriage trouble, and they don't love each other. Simeon, now... I will be heard by my husband. Every time Simeon hears his name, he hears, my parents don't have a good relationship and they don't talk. Levi, now my husband will be joined to me. And, and Levi sees 
mom and dad, just they just always separated. Talking to all of the relationships in the house of the Lord. And everything she goes through, this now gets into the kids. And, and we'll, as we go through the Bible, we're going to see how it affects all of the tribes of Israel. And it affects an entire group of people. And all of this goes down to Jacob going on his journey. When we make decisions and say, God, I'll commit to you another day, it doesn't just affect us. Let's stand all across the building. Amen. Let's pray. Hallelujah. Tonight is a night for us to say, God, I want to make sure I'm sowing the right things. Hallelujah. In my life, I want to make sure I'm doing, amen, what your word says. I want to make sure I'm not just journeying by myself. Amen. Living in an uncommitted life. Amen, where I just go with whatever flows and think all my decisions are the best decisions. No, I, I don't want to journey by myself. I don't want to go through life by myself. I don't want to do things my own way because I recognize if I do things my own way, it doesn't always work out for me. Somebody pray all across this building. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, let's pray. I got a lot more we could say on this, but let's just pray for a moment. Hallelujah, Lord. There's some folks here tonight, amen, that you're really considering, amen, some things and some actions, some ways that you've been thinking, the ways you've been living, amen, the things you've been sowing in your life, amen. Today's a great day to say, you know what, God, I don't know if that was the best choice. I don't know if that was a good decision, amen, but Lord, I want to start sowing some better things. I, I, want, I don't want to wait one more day and lack commitment one more day because, God, every, every time Jacob lacked commitment, it led him further into a hole. When we live without God, our lives do not get better. And, 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 well, pastor, you're the pastor. You're supposed to say that. I've lived it. I've lived, amen, as a Christian even. And there's been seasons in my life where I went on my journey. I just did what I thought was best. And I'm here to tell you, that journey left me with a lot more scars than I'd like to admit. Amen. But Jacob, in spite of it all, this is where we'll get to in the next Bible study. God spoke to Jacob again. I just want to encourage everybody here today. No matter where you are, God still desires a relationship with you. God still is working on you. God has not. You might have gone on your journey, and just like God was with Jacob all the way until he got to Bethel, I want you to know, Jacob didn't leave God at Bethel. God went with him to Laban's house. And God went, went with him into his marriage troubles. And God went with him into his financial troubles. And God went with him while he was on the run. Because God was not going to leave Jacob. God was going to continue to speak to Jacob. And you're here today and you're saying, well, Pastor, I just, I've gone on my own journey. I've done my own thing. And, you know, I've got scars from it. Sow something different today. Instead of saying, one day, as Jacob said, I'll commit. Make a decision today. God, today's the day. I'm going to make up in my mind. I'm going to make a commitment 
to serve you. I want to open up this altar. Would you come? We're going to pray for just a little bit. This is a moment uh, for somebody to say, God, you know what? I, I've journeyed before on my own. And God, I, I've got the scars to prove it. And Lord, maybe you're here today and you're, you came to church and you're journeying with God and everything's well. I want you to pray anyways and say, God, help me to stay on the right track. And maybe you're here today and you're saying, well, Pastor, I've, I've just really gone astray and I just keep, I keep making decisions and I'm not proud of them. And they keep leading me further and further and further and further down. And Jacob gets further and further down. But today I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to listen to the voice of God. Come on, would you come and pray? Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Come on, I'm, I'm, I'm talking to all the Jacobs that have gone on their journey, that have lived their own way, that have done their own thing. And now you got, you got the scars to prove it. You know what? Time to sow some different things. Come on, Jacob. Jacob, time to stop delaying your commitment to the Lord. Time to stop delaying your, your yes to the Lord. Don't be like Esau out of the will of God. Don't, don't be like Esau accepting the good will of God. Go to that next level and say, Lord, I want the perfect will of God. I knew you were with me at Bethel. I know you've been with me while I was on the run. I know you're with me when I'm at Laban's house. I know you're with me when I'm doing wrong, and I know you're with me when I'm doing right. And so today I'm going to call out to you. Somebody needs to make a decision to serve Jesus. And don't, you don't have to walk this road by yourself. You don't have to live this life by yourself. You can make your mind up, I want to live for Jesus. I want to serve God. I, I don't want any more scars from going my own way and making my own journey. I don't, I don't want to end up with family trauma because I didn't make decisions when I was a teenager. No, I want to make a decision today. Come on, let that be your prayer tonight. I don't want to journey by myself. Come on, let that be your prayer. I, I don't want to journey by myself. I want to move with God. I want to walk with God. Make your commitment to the Lord tonight. Make your commitment to the Lord tonight. to be a
So let me be a willing vessel, be a willing vessel, be a willing vessel you can Come on, that's it. The Holy Ghost is in this building. Lift your hands and pray. Come on, God's still speaking. Jacob, God has not given up on you. He's never left you. He's just wanting you to make your mind up. Make your commitment up. Well, if it's appropriate, why don't you lay the hands over on the person, the shoulder of the person next to you, and begin to pray with them. Come on, God's working. God's working. God's never left you. He's never forsaken you. Amen. Even when we, even when we journey by ourselves, we're never by ourselves. He's there. He's there. 
But you you got to make a mental decision. I don't want to walk by myself. I don't want to walk by my own goodness, by my own decisions. I don't want to walk on my own understanding. I need the help of God. Come on, I need the help of God in my mind. I need the help of God in my decisions. I need the help of God in my actions. I need the help of God in my relationships. I need the help of God in my finances. I need the help of God in my walk with God. I need the help of God everywhere. I want to walk with Him. I want to journey with Him, not by myself, not by myself. Hallelujah, hallelujah. After 20 years, 20 years of journeying and going his own way, Genesis 31 and 3 says, And the Lord said unto Jacob, Return unto the land of your fathers, to thy kindred, and I will be with thee. God told him, he said, lift up your eyes. God told him, I am the God of Bethel, where you anointed the pillar and where you vowed a vow unto me. Now arise and get out of this land and return unto the land of thy kindred. God said, after 20 years, I've watched you. I've watched you journey your own way. I've watched the consequences. I've watched the harvest of what you've sown and, and, and all through this, God protected and tried to help. And, and we, we can talk about it next time. All the subtle ways God was working in Jacob's life. All the ways Jacob didn't realize. Again, Jacob didn't realize God was still there. But God called him after 20 years and said, Jacob, are you ready to commit to me? He said, I think it's about time. And now. Everybody say now. Get up from where you are. And go to that place that you said you'd make a commitment. And go make that commitment. What do I do, Pastor? I've journeyed my own way. Okay. Get up from where you are. Go back to the place where you said you'd make a commitment. And make the commitment. Somebody tell your neighbor that. Make the commitment. Amen. Let's lift up our hands one more time and let's pray. Lord, we love you. We thank you today. Thank you for your word. Your word is inspired. Your word is powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, God. It pierces. It divides. Amen. It, it, it helps us to see the difference between the thoughts and intents of the heart. And God, I pray today that that word, amen, as it, as it cut, 
I pray, Lord, let it be a surgical cut, amen, that would, that would heal us and not hurt us. I pray that as we journeyed our own way, we might have been hurt by life and by choices, but I believe that today somebody's going to get up from where they are, from where they've fallen, and I pray, God, they're going to go back to Bethel, back to the place of commitment, and they're going to make that commitment to you again in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Shake hands, be friendly, love one another. You don't want to miss this Sunday at 1.30 p.m., Evangelist Brandon Puller. And then mark your calendars, Monday at 7 p.m. Everybody shout Monday. Monday at 7 p.m. You want to be back here in Jesus' name. God bless you.